Welcome back to the Health Call Radio Hour. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just drop us a line on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Or message us on the Health Call Facebook page. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. In our first half hour, we looked at the likelihood that technology is going to help us live longer and maybe even feel younger in the not-too-distant future. That's sure exciting to consider, especially if those years are going to be vibrant and filled with happiness. Well, sadly, loneliness and depression are huge problems already for many in their golden years. I came across some research that says millions of us are spending money searching for fulfillment but too often come away with regret we know as buyer's remorse. Amit Kumar at the University of Texas Macomb School of Business may have the answer. His research says, yes, money can buy happiness when you buy an experience that pays off with social engagement. So in our studies, we find that people tend to derive more satisfaction from their experiential purchases. So these are experiences like uh, travel, tickets to events, meals out, uh, outdoor activities and recreation. Uh, So these experiences, money that you spend on doing, uh, than they do from material purchases, money that you spend on having, on material possessions like clothing and jewelry and furniture and and, and gadgets and so on. Uh, And it turns out that this difference in the sort of value that people derive from consuming experiences uh, rather than material things, extends across a pretty broad time course. So in terms of when they're uh, looking forward to experiences they're going to have, when they're actually experiencing them, and also when they're looking back uh, and recalling um, some significant experiences they've had uh, in their lives. Uh, Buying that uh, new pair of shoes is going to be a one and done, and I'm over it and I move on. I'm not going to look back fondly and remember the shoes, as well as a vacation or a dinner out as those things you just mentioned. Yeah, so we, we, we do tend to adapt to our material possessions. Uh, we, you know, it's not necessarily one and done. Uh, you might get a little more value out of your shoes, but uh, in terms of sort of the enduring satisfaction that you derive, experiences tend to go a longer way. Part of that is because of what we know about happiness more broadly, even when we're thinking about things beyond how we're spending our money. It turns out that one of the biggest predictors of happiness is our social relationships. Uh, And so to the extent that you can use your money in ways that enhance those social relationships uh, and experiences are more likely to do that, the more likely you are to get value from those uh, purchases. Um, So for instance, people tend to talk to others more about their experiences uh, than their material goods. People aren't that interested in hearing about your new shoes, but they do want to hear about the new restaurant you tried or the place you just visited. Uh, and, and the fact that this kind of makes the fodder for social, con- uh, for social interaction, they pro- these experiences provide conversational value, that's part of the reason for why we tend to derive more happiness from experiences than from uh, material purchases. So the more you can talk about it and relive the experience later, the more value and happiness you're likely to derive out of it. Even if it's negative in the moment, and I'm I'm thinking of a particular circumstance in my life. I was uh, on a sailboat uh, delivering a sailboat across Lake Michigan, and uh, it was brutal. I mean, we were 
into the wind at 25 knots and banging up and down on six foot waves for hour after hour after hour. And I was so seasick. It was a horrible experience. But I look back on it now and oddly remember that fondly. Is that is misery in the moment somehow related to, to positive memories? Uh, I mean, positive things tend to be remembered positively as well. Uh, but the one of the interesting things about experiences uh, is that they continue to exist only in our minds. Uh, so uh, material possession might become more negative over time. We um, face frustrations when our uh, gadgets aren't working the way that we want them to, or uh, we get used to the thing that we've had for a while and a new version comes out and all of a sudden we're less interested in the one that we uh, already have. But with experiences, um, these are mental representations that we have. And, and part of what that allows for is this sort of reframing that you were uh, uh, referring to after the fact. We can reconstrue these in a more positive light. Um, that's one of the things that happens as we weave them in into sort of the narrative of our lives. You know, we're telling stories about ourselves. We're establishing our own identities. Uh, that was probably a very important uh, trip in your life, given that you're continuing to talk about it now. Mm -hmm. There's a well-known study uh, about a three-week bicycle trip uh, across the country that's that's a little like the story you just told. And, you know, people, you know, these cyclists are suffering through downpours. It's raining. You're uphill. It's strenuous. You're sweating. Um, but when you recall these moments afterwards, uh, these riders tend to say things like, uh, not just that it was great, but maybe it was good that it rained. Uh, so even that negative thing is uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's something that brought us closer together. Uh, and when we can think about it in that way, we can derive more value from it. So if I'm, if I'm seeking an experience to spend money on an experience that I want to bring happiness to my life, are there some guidelines around that? Is it is it based on price? Is it based on who I'm with? Is it based on the amount of physical activity involved? What what tends to generate the greatest amount of happiness in an experience? So this is why I think it's useful to think about sort of why we derive more happiness from our experiences than uh, from our material goods. And when we understand that why, I think that provides a little insight into well, what kinds of experiences should we be engaging in? The social value that we derive from our experiences, that's part of why we uh, get so much happiness from them. Uh, and so purchases that are more social in nature tend to bring us more happiness. So uh, when we do things, it's probably a good idea to do them with others. That's not a hard and fast rule. Some solitary experiences might provide us with um, some enduring satisfaction as well. But to the extent that we're using our money, we're making these purchases to promote our social relationships, um, the more likely we are to derive happiness uh, from them. Um, just as we were talking about before in that same vein, the more that we talk about our experiences, uh, the more value that we'll get from them. You know, one way to think about experiences, if you were being a bit of a cynic about this research that we've conducted, is that they can be a bit fleeting. Uh, when you go on a trip, it lasts for a few days or a few weeks if you're lucky. When you go uh, uh, on a night out on the town or something like that, that's a few hours at most. But these experiences live on in our memories and the stories we tell. And so the more that we're uh, engaging with them, um, especially in the social way, the more likely we are to derive value from them. Another reason that we uh, that I alluded to that we haven't talked a ton about is 
is this identity relevant aspect of it. So when we're thinking about mm. who we are, what's our sense of self, uh, our material goods sort of don't make up who we are as much as our experiences do. Uh, and so what we want to try to invest in is, is sort of investments that contribute to who we are. Uh, so when you're thinking about your identity, um, what's the kind of person you see yourself as? If you're using money in that way, uh, you'll probably derive more value from it. One of the, the, tr the troublesome things about money and happiness is that we're often engaging in comparisons with other people. Uh, and those mm -hmm. comparisons can be deflating. Um, if somebody has a nicer TV than you do, or they have a fancier wardrobe, that can bother you. It can be annoying also to find out that someone who has the same gadget that you had, uh, that you have paid substantially less for it. And so to the extent that we can try to avoid some of these destructive comparisons, um, the more that we'll get out of the purchases that we're making and in terms of the happiness that we derive from them. In other words, investing in something that is relevant to your identity. It's uniquely yours and more meaningful to discuss with others. So why all this focus on being happy? Well, there is plenty of research that shows happiness improves our health. Happy people eat better, are more active, and sleep better. This helps control stress, reduce blood pressure, and even boosts your sex life. So how's that for motivation? By the time your hair turns gray and you're preparing for retirement, you probably have a pretty good sense of who you are. But maybe it's time to change things up a bit and focus on making your retirement years happier. What role does money play then? We'll learn what Amit Kumar's research can teach us as we continue our look at how money can buy happiness here on the Health Call Radio Hour. This is the Health Call Radio Hour, where treatments are always free, the stethoscope is never cold, and you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Welcome back. Today, we're looking into research which says money can indeed buy happiness if you spend it on experiences, experiences that produce memories, lead to social interactions, or brings you closer to friends. Amit Kumar, a researcher at the University of Texas, says if you're the kind of person who shies away from trying new things, stepping into retirement is a great time to come out of your shell. Yeah, so I think one thing that's interesting is actually research suggests that, uh, that, that people get a bit happier as they age. Uh, part of that might have to do with discovering uh, who you are over time. Um, and so that's the, the good news, but there's of course bad news that like loneliness can be a, a mm -hmm. huge problem for, uh, for elderly folks. That's something that we want to combat. And so one, that's part of the reason we've been talking about social relationships and how experiences can contribute to them. With respect to sort of spending money, we do always sort of collect demographic information in our studies. And we actually don't find, uh, we don't consistently find, um, significant age effects. So the way to interpret that is that it turns out that people, sort of both young and old, tend to derive more satisfaction from experiential purchases than they do from material purchases. So this isn't sort of a, a young people thing or an old people thing. This seems to be a, a people people thing. Uh, but that said, I do think it's, it's possible that there could be some differences in the types of experiences that people derive value from uh, as they 
age. So when, when young people are thinking about this research and what sorts of experiential purchases they want to invest in, they might be thinking about things like uh, skydiving, these extraordinary, yeah. unique, special experiences that, that, uh, that they, they might have. Obviously, that might be a bit more of a challenge as, as you get older. Um, but part of this has to do, again, with our identity. So maybe that's part of discovering what your identity is when you're young. What's your identity when you're older? Your identity might have a lot more to do with um, that restaurant you go to every week with your uh, with your friends. Uh, and so if that's something that's contributing to your identity, that type of experience, uh, ordinary as it may seem relative to skydiving, can also contribute to your uh, to your happiness. That said, I think the overall message of this is that people of all ages would be wise to at least shift, some of their spending sort of a bit less in the direction of material goods and a bit more in the direction of experiences like travel and dining and, and taking in the arts. Yeah, I, I think that's great. Tell me more about your research into happiness uh, and things that I may not understand about what makes people happy and, and how to feel happy. So broadly, I think the largest lesson here is that uh, other people are what make us happy. Uh, and so that seems somewhat obvious. I think what's less obvious is why people don't always pursue the things that are gonna make them uh, feel better. Uh, and so, um, so another thing that we can do is invest in other people. We can um, be pro-social or other-oriented. We can do things for others that tends to make uh, them feel good, of course, and it also tends to make us feel good. Uh, and so I think when we're thinking about why don't we make decisions in this way, or why do we sometimes choose not to, um, it's because we don't fully understand sort of the consequences of our actions. Uh, and so um, when we're thinking about pro-social behavior or, or sort of being kind to others, we might not realize the impact we're having. And if we knew the impact we were having, that might make us be more likely to engage in those sorts of activities. When it comes to experiential consumption, we might think things along the lines of, um, is this going to be a good financial investment? My stuff, at least I can hold on to that. I can keep it in my possession. Uh, and so maybe that seems like a better sort of economic decision. People sometimes think that when they're um, choosing what to spend money on. But if you ask them afterwards what sort of represented a better financial decision, a better investment, money better spent, they'll tell you that it was the experiences they had. And so we might be uh, sort of not realizing how we'll feel in the long term when we make these decisions with uh, our resources, be it our money or our time or our effort and energy. Yeah, that's a great point. I think a lot of people feel as though um, they shouldn't spend money on themselves uh, and and it's um, it's wasteful, or I think a word that used in your research often is hedonistic to spend money on something for myself. Um, so maybe we need to rethink that, huh? As long as we're spending it on experiences that are designed to improve our social quotient, maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I think spending uh, on others is another way to, to sort of advance our, advance our happiness. And so I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that um, spending on yourself is going to feel better than spending on others. In fact, spending on others, whether it's uh, 
buying them a cup of coffee or uh, just, you know, buying a cookie for someone else. That's actually something that can make you feel happy as well. Hey, let's let's get into the dirt a little bit here. Why is it that incredibly wealthy families are so just riven with divorce and drug abuse and all those other things? If money can buy happiness, Man, they got tons of money, but some of them appear to have very little happiness. What's going on there? Is, has research kind of evaluated that? So I think the research is actually becoming clearer and clearer that that money can buy happiness, but that's not to say that money necessarily will buy happiness. And so there are negative outcomes that, that can occur if we're constantly chasing after um, something else that someone else has, then we'll probably never be satisfied. And that's a choice that you can make when you have lots of money. And so I think the idea, the important thing to take away is, well, what are you going to do with that money? How are you going to spend it? And if you spend it in ways that um, are more likely to promote happiness, then yeah, that money is going to result in more happiness. Uh, In some ways, it should be a good thing that, you know, money gives you choices, it gives you flexibility, it gives you the ability uh, to 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 do what you want to do, to choose how to spend it. But that doesn't necessarily give you the insight into choosing wisely. Uh, and so the hope here is that if people learn about sort of the scientific research that's been conducted on this topic, um, then perhaps they'll shift their decisions in a way that that might actually lead them to be happier. Do I need to go into the experience um aware that I'm I'm entering that realm because I'm seeking happiness? Does, does setting some intentionality make a difference? Um, sometimes that can actually backfire. So if you're hoping to get lots of happiness out of it, you might set expectations so high that uh, you end up not getting as much happiness out of it as you uh, hoped that you would. Uh, and so I think one has to be careful about sort of pursuing happiness for happiness's sake. Rather, one way to think about this that might be useful is uh, happiness as being sort of a positive consequence of doing things that we um, want to do with others. And so I, I think pursuing our social relationships probably makes a bit more sense in terms of an intention to set. How do we cultivate our relationships, our connections to others? That's going to be something that's likely to make us happy. Uh, and investing in experiences is one way to do that. Uh, and so if that's what we're trying to do, I think we will often end up feeling happier as a result. And one final suggestion from Amit Kumar, happiness researcher at the University of Texas in Austin. The next time you're struggling to find the perfect gift for someone, consider investing in an experience instead. And if that's something you can enjoy together, even better. Find one that aligns with the other person's identity, and you may find it brings you much closer, increasing happiness for both of you. It sure makes me happy to spend time with you each week. Better yet, visit our website and shoot me a message. I read everyone, and you'll always get a personal reply. You can join our mailing list, and you'll get an email each Friday with a preview of what's on the broadcast and information about the guests. So get out there, enjoy a social experience this week, and see if it makes you a little happier. You've been listening to the Health Call Radio Hour. The discussion of conditions and treatments on this program is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a healthcare professional who knows you and your health needs. 
Find the podcast of today's episode wherever you get your podcasts or watch extended video versions of today's interviews on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. While you're there, drop us a line to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us each week on this station for another edition of the Health Call Radio Hour. Podcasts by Federated Media.